How's it going, folks? What time is it? What day is it? Is it Tuesday? Is it Thursday? Is it Sunday? It all seems like a big blur, but I'm glad you're taking the time to listen to this episode. You could be turning on the news or binge-watching another season of Seinfeld or X-Files, but you're spending your hour with me. And for that, I have to say thank you. Today, I have a special guest, Tyler Broderick from Diners. He's straight up one of the best musicians I know. He could play the ugliest chord on a guitar, and I'd still say it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. He gets comparisons to Brian Wilson and Paul McCartney, but he definitely has his own thing going for him, and it really shows. I know you're probably tired of me saying how great my guests are, so I brought out the jury. Here are some comments that I pulled from the Diners Bandcamp where fans can leave comments. For example, here's one. Catchy yet honest. Here's another. My anxiety has disappeared. Another one here. Music feels like an album from an old friend. These songs make me feel so good about everything and help me out when I'm having a lame day. Wow. If that's not a remedy then I don't know what is. I've known Tyler a long time, and listening to every release throughout the years has always been a joy. He's always putting a smile on my face, whether or not his music is involved, but I'm glad we could talk about what inspires him and his new album, Leisure World, that's out on Lauren Records. I hope you enjoy. Here's my conversation with Tyler. Hey, Tyler, how's it going? Hey. Oh, it, it's going great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm just so happy you're able to do this. And from what you've told me, you're in Berkeley, California right now, right? I am in beautiful Berkeley, California, Bay Area. How's the Bay treating you? I mean, fine. It's one of those things where it's right now, like amidst this pandemic, it's kind of like, wow, I... This is a really nice place that I hope I get to really enjoy again real soon. Just like everywhere else is, I mean, it's pretty shut down over here. So it's at least it's, it's just really beautiful every day. So I, I'm just really grateful for that. Well, you're originally from Mesa, Arizona. So you're in my area. Yeah. I'm currently right now in Phoenix Tempe area. So I originally thought you were still here. So I was going to wait until we could do it locally. What made you go out to Berkeley? I know that you actually had lived there beforehand. And then I think you had maybe come back a little 
while after and then you went back? Please uh, refresh my memory there. Well, I lived in L.A. for a little bit. L.A., okay, yeah. But yeah, I moved to Berkeley in July of 2019. And I'm a bad friend, wow. No, you're good. I kept it real quiet. It was the type of thing where when I moved to L.A., I was only there for about six months, and then I ended up moving back to Phoenix. Or maybe it was more than six months, but I, I it was kind of one of those things where it was like a, it felt a little bit embarrassing to be like, all right, I'm moving. And <laughs> I had a bunch of people yeah. uh, around Phoenix like, I don't know. Yeah, I just had a bunch of people go, oh, yeah, I tried the L.A. thing, too. And then I moved back. And then I, in my mind, I was like, I was like, nope, that's not going to be me. I'm going to move and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be able to stick to it. And then I totally moved back so fast. And so when I moved out here, I just kind of wanted to keep it pretty low key. And also I was just touring all the time. So it kind of, it felt like it didn't even really matter where I lived. I was still in Arizona all the time. So I don't know. Well, I'm glad that the Bay Area is treating you well. And thanks so much for making the time to do this interview. I know you're busy. You're doing those live Instagram videos and they're amazing. Awesome entertainment. I always try to tune in every single time that you're doing one. And I mean, I've learned so much about emojis. Oh, good. Yeah. Sometimes I think these songs are modeled after emojis. I mean, they're perfectly titled for them. Just, you know, you just drop a little, uh, drop an emoji in the chat. It goes a long way. (laughs) Yeah. There's plenty of ground to cover here, but one of the main points of our conversation that I want to touch on is your brand new album that you just put out, Leisure World. It's been on heavy rotation in my house, on the record player, in my car. It's definitely one of my favorite records of 2020. So I'm glad we're able to talk about it. Yeah, I'm so glad that it's finally out. It feels like a great weight has lifted off of my shoulders that I I can finally enjoy it being out there in the world. That's kind of like the nice thing. It's like even though the world feels really wild, it's like for me, I feel a little bit relieved that just at least like one part of my life is because I spent so long working on that record that it just feels nice that is like finally out there. So I don't know, kind of feels, and it's like kind of interesting because it's like, all right, now that everybody has so much time just to be at home, it's kind of like, cool, my record is out. I have all this time to be with myself. I should just keep writing more songs. So it kind of feels, there's like a weird pleasantness about it. Yeah. And we're definitely going to get into some of those details on the album. For instance, From what I remember you telling me, and even before you actually released it, you told me you're going to name it Leisure World, and it's named after a senior housing community in Mesa, Arizona, right? Yeah, I've learned that there are, I guess there's like a bunch of Leisure Worlds, and some there's even Leisure Worlds in California, but in my mind, I guess it is. I didn't really even know that. (laughs) Uh, In my mind, it was just like exclusive to Arizona or something, but... You know how it is when when you think there's like a beloved like regional fast food Spot. chain and then you go to another state on tour and you're like, wait, they have them here too? It's like not like the, I don't know. It's very funny, but, but yeah, Leisure World. So that one was unique. What made you want to name it after that? What was the inspiration? Well, I'm just, 
I, I'm in love with that big globe. <laughs> and it's like the type of thing where, where Mesa feels like there's just, there's not a whole lot out there, especially like in that part of like East Mesa, like there's a mall, there are a hundred chains and there's like, a, I don't know. There's just not really a whole lot out there if you're a young person. And what would just kind of happen is I would end up, I mean, there's just, I don't know. This just goes to show how not very creative I am at like hanging out with people, but I'll just like kind of go for a drive with a friend. And I just remember like I've, I've just shown so many friends like the leisure world globe. I'll just take them to the globe at night and (laughs) we'll just kind of like, check it out and walk around it. And it just kind of became this thing that I kept doing where I just kept visiting the globe. And then it just kind of hit me that as I was kind of searching for a name for this album, that it's like, Oh yeah. Like there's kind of this thing that I'm obsessed with leisure world. And I've ever since I was a kid, I always loved the name leisure world. Even before I knew what the word leisure meant. I would just see that sign because I had a grandma who lived in Leisure World. So I would go, I would, I would see the Leisure World globe all the time. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to go into. I was going to say, do the inhabitants of Leisure World know you exist or have any of them heard the new album? I know you had said your grandma, uh, she had passed my condolences. But what I was wondering is, does anybody know that Tyler has named an album after their community? I I don't know. We've definitely been tagging Leisure World <laughs> and like in the location of like on Instagram, <laughs> just like we'll, we'll like just tag the location of a post at Leisure World. But no, yeah, nobody's nobody's uh, nobody's contacted me. I think it'd be really funny. Like, I don't really know what they would think about it. It's not like it, that it's an offensive album. No, so not I at all. I wonder if they will care ever. Yeah, I was thinking maybe even get an email list for the residents so they could get like a download code. Oh, that would be really funny. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. For some of the tracks on there, Cup of Coffee and Big Times, they're great tracks. I would say they're your, your singles, but the videos for those two tracks are amazing. What's the inspiration behind those two? I'm so glad you like them. The, the Cup of Coffee one was a... I, I guess I, I have a friend, uh, my friend Amber, she's just been like, I, I guess I, she's one of the few people that I met while I was in LA that was kind of really just like a, a weirdly like helpful person to know in terms of like, she was just like always sending me things like, oh, you should do this or you should talk to this person and you should talk to this person. And it was kind of funny because I didn't really like she's probably like one of the more like connected people I've ever met in this weird way where it's like, I, I don't know. I'm just like simple, simpleton from Arizona that comes out to the big city. I don't know. It was just kind of funny, but I met Ambar and she was just really like, she makes music videos and directs videos for a living. I mean, she just does a bunch of video stuff and she'd always kind of mentioned that she wanted to work with me sometime it turned out wonderful thanks yeah i it was kind of it was kind of a fun it was just like a a fun day of 
shooting that video and it felt like a big production for me by my standards because I, I mean, I'm so used to everything being so DIY that to have like five people like working on a video all at once was like, whoa, this is a production. Like, yeah, like I don't know the lighting and people probably pointing fingers and saying well, yeah. you need to be here and there and yeah and it's like I mean those are people who are like this is like what they want to do and so like they're kind of I mean they're just kind of out there trying to learn how to do all this stuff I mean they definitely knew what they were doing it was for them this was like working on a very small thing for them, it was a very small production, but for me and my standards, it was like, wow, I'm a star. <laughs> well, it seems you made it easy for them because you did great. I mean, I don't know if you have any sort of previous acting experience, but you're a natural. <laughs> I weirdly acted in a video, another video that Ambar made for a band called Swimmers. And I never really thought of myself as an actor, but that was a huge, huge production. That was like a Warner Brother budget thing. And that's kind of how I got to know Amber a little bit better, but it was like working on on that set. But yeah, she just saw my live set and was like, oh, you'd be great. You'd be a great star in this video. And so I don't know. But yeah, it was kind of funny. And that was like the first time I was like, well, maybe I am an actor. And then I Then I tried doing more of it and I was like, I am really bad at this. I should just stick to my own stuff. You got to keep it going. I mean, you're continuing it even with your Instagram live videos. You've done kind of like some skits where you've got a a projector going and you're having to play a role in certain videos. It's it's wonderful. I mean, I agree with her. You, You crushed it. Oh, thanks. I mean, in my mind, it's just kind of like, I think I can get away with doing a lot of stuff for my own projects, but yeah, we'll see if I get the uh, another phone call anytime soon. But yeah, it was kind of funny because the the Big Times video was like kind of the exact opposite experience of the cup of coffee video, where because it's a green screen, right? Well, well, yeah, we just filmed it all in the back of my dad's pool store that I work. I work. I used to work at my dad's pool store for like seven years. And that's, that was kind of like an amazing job to have while being in a band. Cause it was very fortunate that I had a job and a boss that was like understanding kind of reluctantly understanding, but still understanding of like, Hey, is it okay if I take a couple weeks off during the off season to go out on tour and I don't know. But yeah, it's the second music video that I filmed at that pool store. Yeah, because 15 on a skateboard. Yeah, totally. I wanted to highlight the unglamorous life of a of a real musician. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to film this video of what I do. And then you yeah, had the, uh, the big times video. Just it was such a simple idea. And we were just able to film it in the back room after close. So yeah, I just like worked a whole shift, worked nine hours, and then just like cleared space in the back room and we just filmed (laughs) it with my friends, Jake and Patrick. Well, I love all the videos that you've done, but to kind of talk about the writing and recording process, the album took about a, a couple of years to write from what I understand. How does the writing and recording, you know, revolving around 
Leisure World differ from recording a soft day album, which was recorded in one day? You know, I'm sure there was maybe mentally fatiguing with Leisure World, unless you're doing it at the pace that you wanted. But can you kind of speak a little bit more towards that? Yeah, well, Leisure World was a mess because I I went in with 10 songs. Maybe it was either 10 or 11 songs and tried to knock them all out in a weekend. And I went in with a couple friends, my friends, uh, Tony and Trevor, and we had about, we probably had about an hour of hour and a half of practice and we really should have practiced more, but yeah, we kind of went in and after those sessions, I, I mean, we worked with all those songs as best as we could. And I just kind of was getting a little bit discouraged and I felt like, you know what, like everything that I've released so far, like I've felt like a hundred and 200% about like, I feel really good. And then I just weren't sure about this one. Yeah. Just like I wasn't feeling it. And then it just kind of struck me. It's like, well, this is not a good sign. I mean, I listened to those recordings the other day that I did during those sessions because I was just kind of bored and wanted to hear what they sounded like. Cause it's been a while and like, there's nothing really wrong with them, but it just didn't feel right at the time. And so I kept writing more songs and I kept recording from home just kind of doing a lot of like electronic stuff from home and eventually came up with like a completely different batch of songs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I just kept trying to hurry the process after a while because it just felt like it was taking so long. But what was happening was just like I would go on tour and I would be working and I wasn't able to get to my friend's studio. I, I, I do all my recording all, all my like session recording I do at my friend's studio in Mesa, Arizona called Audio Confusion. My friend Jalapaz runs it. And I've recorded every single Diners album with Jalapaz. We have a really good working relationship and he's just a good friend of mine. And I always tried to work with him and it was just, I wasn't able to get into the studio. I wasn't able to do different things. And in the time that it would take for me to get into the studio, I would come up either with a new song or I would come up with like a new part. This is definitely like the most I've ever fiddled with an album. It like just playing with different things. There was a couple songs. There's like a song that didn't even make it onto the album that we recorded four different versions of. And which one? <laughs> uh, I, it's a it's a re. We redid the song Nothing Ain't Nothing, which is off of Soft Day. And yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things where this album, we fiddled with it too much. But once it felt right, it felt right. And we quit fiddling with it. So I don't really know what the takeaway is. I guess just listen to your gut. If it doesn't feel right, don't release it. And until it feels right, I mean, just, I guess, keep working on it or keep I don't know, but you, yeah, you don't want to release something that you don't feel good about. And it's funny yet because the the Soft Day album, I was on tour and I was like trying to live on tour. I was trying to live, I was trying to go a year with just being on the road. And so it was a lot of solo touring. And what I realized was that it's like, all right, am I going to just go to the same places again and just not really have a new album or like a new thing. Like I was literally imagining the merch table, which I was just like, well, it's like, 
am I just going to go to the same place and play to some of the same people and just like not have something new to offer? And so I was like, you know what? Well, I got about seven songs that I'm feeling really good about. I should just go. I should just stop by Jalapaz's studio, get as much done in one day as possible and just like sell a cassette of that. And so that's kind of what I did. We just, we recorded, mixed and mastered it all in one day. And we were able to get all those songs done. I think there was more that I was hoping to do by then, but uh, I don't know. Didn't happen. And those are some of my favorite songs. I love the stripped down feel, but I obviously love the more complex and layered tracks on Leisure World. So I'm glad you were able to see it to the end. Yeah, your entire discography is wonderful, and Thanks. I'm glad I've known you for most of it. You know me, and to kind of make a little bit of a transition here, we're going to talk a little bit more about Leisure World and diner-specific questions, but I think you know that I like asking some goofy questions. So I have a batch of random questions, some that I've concocted myself and some that your fans have asked. Uh-huh. So are you ready for those? I am. Let me just take a sip of coffee before before I... I'm going to take a sip too. Okay. Just so we're both there. <laughs> so we're in okay. the same headspace. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. What's your favorite animal? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this like a few months ago. I was like, I feel like it's time that I have a new favorite animal because <laughs> I just hadn't really decided in a while, but I've decided that at least in the present moment, I'm a big fan of otters. So it's not a cheetah then? It's not a cheetah. In the live streams, I will ask the audience to drop a cheetah in the chat if they're uh, feeling a certain way, but otters. Otters are <laughs> currently, I just like their hands a lot. I like that they can swim so well. <laughs> that, that's great. Yeah. What about a favorite comic? Do you like comics? I don't really know much about comics. I I used to go to comic stores a lot in Mesa because that's like if you were a kid that wasn't, you know, if in Mesa and, and, and in a lot of cities around America, it's like if you're not a jock, you're just whatever the other thing is. And I feel <laughs> like music people and comic people, like there's kind of that overlap. And so I would hang out with my friends and go to comic stores. But I don't know. I don't really have a favorite comic, but I, I appreciate comics a lot. I like that one. I'm sure you've already been asked this, but I haven't been able to find it out or on the internet, you know, I've scoured looking for it. How do you like your coffee? Oh, I just take it black. Same here. When did you have your first cup of coffee? Or maybe your first taste of coffee? I was really against drinking coffee up until 2015. And I'm, let's see, wait, how old was I at the time? I was, uh, I guess I was five, about five years ago. So yeah, I I was like 22 or 23 at the time. I I forget what time of year it was. But yeah, I just, for some reason, I was, I guess like in high school, I got really into drinking energy drinks. And so I was like super jacked up on caffeine (laughs) all the time. And I think that I eventually reached a spot where I was kind of like, I think my body is really, really beginning to hate me because it had been like 
I guess like, yeah, like seven years of just drinking energy Your drinks. Your were bunch. probably hating you. Yeah, I did. at that time, like my dad had gotten like a kidney stone. And so I kind of saw like maybe what future lied ahead <laughs> or something. So I, I was like, I, I should switch. But I remember I was in Tennessee. Where what, what What city was it? I was in Knoxville, Tennessee on tour with Dog Breath and a really amazing band called Quarterbacks. And we, oh wait, where, did I see you on that tour? You know in what? In El Paso? That was one of the shows where I was out of town. I wasn't in oh, El Paso weird. at that time, but I think you had played at Bowie Feathers. It was the upstairs I, area of, of yeah, Tricky we, Falls. Totally. Okay, yeah. Well, it was that tour, I guess. Yeah, the, the tour where you were gone. Uh, <laughs> it was that tour. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. We were at a Waffle House, and I ordered a cup of coffee because I was feeling like that was a like I, I wanted I wanted to check in and see what my taste buds thought about it because before that I was really not into it and I kind of thought that like I think I just kind of saw like the third wave coffee like kind of the bougie fancy coffee it, like and just like my bandmates were always wanting to go to coffee shops and so in my mind I was I don't know maybe I was like kind of stuck up and like rolling my eyes a little bit but yeah but then i be, just became a, a fan of uh drinking drinking joe and my bandmate tristan is a big big time barista coffee drinker and you know he was kind of able to help guide me a little bit yeah coffee holds a real special place in my heart that kind of probably sounds weird but with your video cup of coffee it reminds me of when I had my first taste of coffee. My dad at the kitchen table, I was eight years old. He was in his suit. I said, hey, can I have some of that coffee? And he's just like, um, hmm, I'm not sure if you really like it. I decided to take a little taste of it. And I uh -huh. said, wow, this tastes like bear fur. I don't bear even know what bear fur tastes like to this day. But... um. <laughs> But I take my coffee black, <laughs> have a cup in the morning, maybe I'll have one in the afternoon. But yeah, when I saw that cup of coffee video, it really uh, stirred up some memories of when I first, it's not like I was chugging coffee when I was eight years old, but you know, I had my uh -huh. little taste and the whole classic like, oh, I'm going to spit this out. This is disgusting. But my dad, he was like, you're going to understand things uh -huh. a little bit differently later in life. You know, uh -huh. a lot Once of those things the eight workforce. Year old, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Things of that sort, you'll 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 understand it. So, no, I'm so glad that I saw that video because it, it brings back so many wonderful memories that I have of my dad. When did you start like drinking coffee regularly? Hmm, that's a really great question. I would say maybe like my freshman year of college. You know? Oh wow! So okay, maybe, cool. So maybe like, um, man, I don't even know how old I was at that point. Maybe like 18 or so. You know? Totally. I mean, I think it was at that point that was like, oh well. Might as well try it and it just became an acquired taste. I think even the way that, you know, we drink coffee, black coffee, some people are just like, how, how do you do that? I think like one time I was in a bind, I had to go somewhere I needed, I wanted some coffee quick. And I went to like Dutch Brothers or some sort of chain like that. And I uh -huh. said, I just want a black coffee. And they're like, what are you, an 80 year old man? I'm like, I, I guess so. Like, you know, I, <laughs> you know, they're probably used to putting like, pounds of sugar in their drinks and you know totally. a bunch of whipped cream or whatever and they're just like huh, this some dude just wants black coffee you know whereas i'm kind of used to just going to a circle k or a gas station i just want some black coffee 
Totally. Well, I think there is that there like places like Starbucks and Dutch Brothers. It's like the the coffee that they sell is more of a dessert than it really is like a just a regular cup of coffee. But yeah, I feel like I started drinking black coffee just because I think I liked that at first that it was such like a strong taste, but I kind of realized it's like, cool, if I get really into just drinking black coffee, that means that anywhere I go, even if I don't have sugar or milk or whatever, it's like, I'm going to be fine with it. I'm going to be fine with any coffee that I get (laughs) because I will have gotten used to drinking black coffee. And then I guess I just weirdly stuck with that. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Coffee. I love it. But let I'm going to get into a couple more random ones that I've created. I love these so much, but I'm trying to make sure that we get to the fans' questions. Here's a oh, random yes. one. Let's say I'm your label exec, executive. Okay. And I say, you know, we're changing your name. No longer diners. Okay. We're changing it to Smoothie Shop or Pancake House. Which one are you choosing? Pancake House is the one that I initially gravitated towards. And I mean, as far as diners, I read an interview where the name was inspired by a restaurant in Albuquerque, the Frontier, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Yeah, Frontier Restaurant. It's a cowboy diner that is kind of a great after show spot. Like every single time that I play in Albuquerque, I always wind up at Frontier I've been there as well. It's has like drawings and paintings of like John Wayne, right? Yeah, there's like probably some, (laughs) there's a lot of John Wayne and probably a lot of other like problematic things, but I think it's just a really (laughs) nice, it's like, no, I, it's awesome. I like that place. Yeah. I love it. I really do. I think it's really charming and I think the food's great. It's a solid spot. This is going to be my one last random one here, but Everyone knows you're an incredible musician. I mean, you no. taught me so much about being a singer-songwriter, and I don't even consider myself that. But it, you make me want to pick up my guitar, be a better musician. You're a wonderful artist. But do you have any other hidden talents that maybe people don't know about? Maybe you like throwing horseshoes. Maybe you, you like playing kickball. I have no idea. But is there anything else that people would be really surprised that, hey, Tyler's really good at this? Oh, I wish I was good at, I kind of feel like the price that I have paid for feeling really comfortable with where I am at music, even though there's like always, like I'll always see a musician and I, and I kind of realize it's like, oh my gosh, I need to learn how to be able to do that. Or just like seeing somebody (laughs) who's super good. It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, this person is like, this person is like a lifetime work of I like just like so far ahead of me I don't even know but yeah I guess I love to do stuff I love playing pool but I'm really really bad at it I love shooting are you a pool shark no I'm like the person that somebody might assume is trying to hustle them because they're playing so bad (laughs) but when it comes time to like really do the the hustling you know I'm like I'm I'm still bad so I don't know I'm very bad at pool but I really love to play pool I really love to skateboard. I've seen you. I've seen you post some videos. I'm like, oh, you're dropping in, doing some axle stalls. or, um, And I miss that. But I, I don't know if we had maybe spoken about it in the past. But I'm not a very good skateboarder. I could ollie. And, but I can't do any sort of you know, 360 flips or 
you know, nolly flips or whatever it may be or, or grinding. Uh-huh. But I mean, when I saw you, you post up some stuff, I was like, wow, Tyler's really good. But I think we oh, have wow. maybe spoken about it that now I'm just like, well, uh, I hope I don't break my ankle. You know, whereas when I was younger, I was just kind of like fearless and I didn't care. Yeah, well, I got really into I got really, really into skating and I started skateboarding when I was seven years old and was just totally obsessed with it until I found music and got really, really obsessed with music when I was about 11 or 12. Who's your favorite skater? Like when I was a kid, it was Rodney Mullen just because I was like, I had been playing the Tony Hawk's pro skater games and was just super into that. Just like totally off the wall style but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah i i got really obsessed with music and kind of quit skating as much and then kind of quit skating altogether when i started high school just because yeah i was a little bit freaked out about hurting myself and then in my early 20s i guess like i got back into skateboarding and was trying to go really hard with it and i was going to skate parks and i was going to spots with friends but I don't ever feel like I got any better than I was when I was like 11, which is kind of funny. Like I would still try as hard as I could, but I like still could never land certain tricks and no matter how long I worked on them. And then eventually I I went to a skate park when I was like, I guess in, in 2016, 27, no, in 2017. And I ended up, uh, I, I fractured my radial head, which is where's that? What part of the body is that? It's my elbow. It's okay. the fancy way of saying that. Was it your strumming arm, or it was? Or was, or it was my arm? left hand. It was yeah, my fretting. But I couldn't hold a guitar properly for like two months, and it really freaked me out. And so I got better at the piano because I could kind of <laughs> play that angle. Like that angle didn't bother my arm, but. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was really scary to think it's like, oh my God, I like I'm just I was just imagining all the times that I'd brought my skateboard on tour and just to think like, what if I what if this happened while I was on the road? Then I I wouldn't be able to even earn the money to get back home because I would have hurt myself so bad or something. It's like if I couldn't play if I was I if I compromised my shows just to go to the skate park, like I don't I don't know. It just w- freaks me out to think about. Hey, well, thanks for going into detail on that. We're <laughs> done with my questions here, but we're going to go now into some questions that your fans have. Right. And I've gotten their consent to give them some shout outs here. But the first question is by The Playlist Project. Okay. They ask, which artist or artists have the most obnoxious fans? The most obnoxious fans? Just what? what do I think? Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, or which artist artists have You're asking me? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, which artists say. or artists have the most obnoxious fans? I feel pretty out of touch with like a lot of mainstream artists, so it's like hard. It's maybe hard to tell, but I don't know. Like, I mean, I I guess like I I've known some pretty obnoxious deadheads but i'm kind of a i'm like a fan of the grateful dead for sure i mean i would call myself a deadhead but yeah i meet some people that are not i don't know yeah not on my same wavelength and i think they're pretty obnoxious but yeah who who else is annoying i used to i used to not like um 
oh my gosh, there's so many bands that I've where it took me a while to get over their fan base. And now I'm blanking on them. But yeah, I'm just going to go with Deadheads. I think that there are some obnoxious Deadheads out there, but there's also some really incredible Deadheads out there. Okay. Next one here. Blue Joyce asks, what's your favorite song or artist to listen to when feeling down? Kind of depends. I I would probably say that there's like four artists I will kind of cycle through when I kind of need inspiration of some sort. And sometimes that's not necessarily when I'm feeling down, but if I'm just trying to draw from a particular well of like songwriting inspiration, but Beach Boys feels pretty much like where I'll go to most of the time. Beach Boys, Paul McCartney's solo work, and the band Dear Nora. Yeah, just pretty much those three over over and over and over again. And I think that's a good transition to another question that one of your fans asks. Eric Reed of Alabama Deathwalk. Oh, cool. He asks, what's your favorite Beach Boys song? And what's your favorite weird sound that Brian Wilson has recorded? My favorite Beach Boys song right now is a a song that I don't even think Brian had anything to do with, but it's called All This Is That. It's off of the Beach Boys album titled Carl and the Passions, So Tough, which I'm always kind of confused by that. I don't know if that was just like them dipping their feet into potentially changing their name or something. But Carl and the Passions was Carl's band before he was in the Beach Boys. But anyways, it's this song called All This Is That. It's got a really cool feel to it. And I really enjoy it. It's kind of a a really overlooked era for Beach Boys with reason. There's like a lot of really bad songs on that album too. But that song is just such a gem. I love the way that it sounds. I just love the way the vocals pop out. It just sounds like everything on that track, like the microphone was just right up to their mouths and right up to the instruments. It sounds pretty cool, but it also kind of, yeah, it's an interesting mix that they were all recording from home at the time from Brian's home studio, even though Brian wasn't necessarily doing a whole lot on those tracks. But yeah. Oh yeah. What was what sound do I? Yeah. Um, what's your favorite weird sound that Brian Wilson has recorded? I would say just I love. I don't know if, if it's necessarily weird, but just the I love the the sound of plucking the piano strings. I guess it's on Pet Sounds. Still believe in me. Where just in the beginning of the track. They're plucking the strings of the piano. So they're not like pressing down on the keys. Yeah. So there's like no hammer, but they're using hairpins to to pluck the piano strings and play the song. So I think that's kind of cool and kind of a it has a great sound to it. It's not I guess it's not particularly weird. I love Brian's album, like all the Beach Boys Love You stuff. Like when Brian started getting really into synthesizers, I think that is really cool and underrated yeah i think that this could even be its own separate episode talking about the beach boys and i mean i like pacific ocean blue by dennis oh yeah they're just so we could talk about all the paul mccartney's solo albums so i'm probably gonna ask you a little bit more about that but i'm gonna try and knock out a couple more that your fans have mike c fuentes asks what's your favorite diner to eat at on tour 
Definitely Frontier Diner in Albuquerque, as or yeah, Frontier Restaurant, as as we mentioned earlier on on this episode. I love going to. Let's see. At the time, a few years ago, every time I visited Chicago, I always had like several friends that worked at the Chicago Diner, so I, that was always fun to go to. Um. I'm racking my brain. I feel like the idea of going to a restaurant <laughs> feels so weird right now. But and I'm yeah, it's to... foreign, you know. Especially having to do takeout, you're not sitting down and enjoying your meal at the actual locale. Yeah, I feel like even though it's not around anymore, there was a diner in Phoenix called Bragg's Factory Diner that I was. I I just and, ate and Tristan so worked of... there, didn't he? Yeah, Tristan did work there. From and dog breath. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tristan worked there, and that was just kind of a good time in my life. And just eating there, that was, I just ate there all of the time. And that restaurant is no longer around, but some of the folks from Bragg's Factory Diner opened up the Coronado, which is in Phoenix. And that is also right on. really good food, but I don't know if it would classify as a diner. Yeah, I've been to both. And on that Bragg's Diner, I remember that Tristan took me. He had helped book a show uh-huh. at the trunk space when the trunk space was on Grand, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, the 1506 location. Yeah, the original. There you one. go. And if I'm not mistaken, that diner was somewhat close to it. I might be totally wrong, even though you know I live in the area now. No, it was. you're right. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're dead right. It was real close. It was great. It was awesome. It was so cool to like eat food <laughs> and then just like walk down to the trunk space. Yeah, and I remember like a great time. Wow. Yeah, and I remember having a cup of coffee too, you know? I mean, I remember that moment clearly, you know, that beaming cup of coffee and then having that in the morning and and the night before. Or maybe I don't know if it was he had taken us before we went to the show or it was the following morning. It was probably both, to be honest. Yeah. It was probably like <laughs> yeah. like let's get something before and then that kind of became like the like the morning after the show, it's like that's where <laughs> me and Tristan would take bands because, yeah, it was it's just a like a great spot. spot. Yeah. Glad I, I relived a memory right there. But a couple more here. STFU Strokes asks, what were your first endeavors in music like? And when did you become proud of your work? I mean, that that's even kind of a deep one right there, I would think, because knowing you, I'd probably think that there isn't like a finite point. You know, I think you're always trying to strive for doing the best that you can. But I thought that was a a great question. Yeah, that really is. Yeah, I feel it's hard to feel proud of of your work. And I still look at my records and I I wish I could change certain things. And I wish that I would have had the knowledge I like didn't. Yeah, it's like I wish I like knew certain things that I didn't know at the time. I think about that all the time and I I think I do get pretty down on myself and it is hard to feel really proud of like it's hard to have like an absolute proud thing because I will I'll listen to a record that I love or something and then out of curiosity I'll like kind of like I'll be like well how does that compare to this thing that I did that is like maybe a little bit similar and I'll play my thing and I'll go, Oh my gosh, this other person did it so much better. Like I, and then I'll try and learn a few new tricks and then I don't know, it's always a process. And then I'll feel proud of something. And then a month later I'll go, oof. So I don't know, not to be a downer, 
but that is something that <laughs> no. I really do struggle yeah. with. And then my first music endeavors, I remember calling at the music shop that I would take guitar lessons from. I used to take guitar lessons from Buchanan Music, also in Mesa, for a little while when I was first starting out there. But I remember there was an ad for like just a band, and I remember calling them, and I it was like these two twin brothers that played bass and drums, and they were really, really good. And I think about them all the time. But yeah, I was kind of jamming with them for a little bit. They were super serious and we were like 12 years old. <laughs> I, I don't know why they were as serious as they were, but they were so good. And I, yeah, I was not on their level and I got kicked out of the band. And then I kept, kept starting, kept, I don't know. I was just on to the next one. I'm glad you kept on going. And this kind of ties in a little bit. I'm not sure if there's going to be too much overlap, but savannah.gry, I'm guessing maybe Savannah Gray, asks, what inspired you to start writing songs? And I think that kind of ties into the previous question. But if you want to elaborate on that. I think the idea of writing songs came so quickly with music. It kind of came with learning how to play the guitar because I would look up tabs for how to play a song. And I think I would just maybe try and make my own version of it. Like I would see like, I would just learn a new chord and I would go, oh, I want to use that chord in my song. And it just felt really natural to write songs. I mean, the very first song that I ever wrote was just this like, like this really dorky, like I think the name of the song was just called Let's Rock. And it was just, I was so into ACDC when I was 12 years old (laughs) that I just wanted to rock. That was my first gateway band. Oh, was it really? They were like the band that I, that was the first band that I became obsessed with was ACDC. Same here. And you're unearthing some memories. When I was a kid in my youth, my father ran a business. He no longer has it to this day, but one of his employees, he was like a metalhead and he Uh loved comics. He loved Metallica, ACDC, and he loved his motorcycle. So, Whoa. And, so he was the real deal, like with a motorcycle <laughs> and everything. Yeah. And the leather jacket, the long hair. I mean, these sunglasses that are just kind of ingrained in my head. And this was in El Paso? 
it was an El Paso. And I remember, you know, now that particular area is a little bit more developed, but there was a lot of desert. And there was like a, I think it was called like a good time store. It's the equivalent of a Circle K or, you know, whatever convenience store that there was at that time. My mom was also working at the store and he's like, hey, can I take Chris out to get a, a Slurpee? And he put me on the back of the, <laughs> of the motorcycle. Whoa. I mean, it wasn't like we were drove down like five miles. It was, you know, really, really short distance. So we got Slurpee. He was talking to me about rock music. That following morning, he brought an ACDC tape. And it just completely changed my world. I think I still have that tape. But I always think of ACDC as the first time where, you know, rock and roll really resonated with me. I was obsessed, you know, at that point, like 10 years mm -hmm. old on. I mean, that's kind of a, you know, I was kind of young to say I was obsessed, but I would say that's the first time where rock and roll really impacted me and I was, you know, able to still remember it. Totally. Yeah. That feeling of just music blowing your mind for the first time, that's priceless. The first CD that I ever got was this Billy Idol's Greatest Hits album that my grandparents gave me kind of out of nowhere. I think I was like either 10 or 11, but yeah, they gave me the CD for Christmas and nobody really knows why they don't even remember giving it to me, <laughs> but it really made an impact on me. I really loved those songs and it really, I got really, really excited. And then I think I quickly after that, I watched the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and I just kind of like they would like make references to different rock and roll bands. And then I remember watching like Wayne's World and I would like write down the names of band references. <laughs> and ACDC was one of the bands that really stuck out to me. I mean, the music is there. They are complete musical geniuses. Their riffs are airtight. It's one of those yeah, things Angus where it's like Young and Malcolm Young. I mean, just great duo of yeah, guitar playing. The, it's the music is so simple. I was talking to my friend Mo Troper about this the other day, but it's like, so yeah, the music is so simple and their lyrics are just like, just so bonehead, like silly and also simple that everything just works so well. It's really funny to think about how that band it's like they're recording like back in black is a great sounding record because the parts are so well written yeah that's the yeah. tape i got and i think the next time we hang out we need to have a cup of coffee and listen to that album yeah and i kind of went, went down the acdc discography two weeks ago and was just kind of <laughs> i tried to relearn like the thunderstruck lick and yeah i don't know it was it was fun. It's like, I feel funny. This person is asking, it's like, what about music? And now we're just talking about ACDC. And yeah, I'm going gonna... <laughs> to rope it back. There's just two more that the fans have. Justin Moody, another singer songwriter. Oh, yeah. He asks, when's the next Funny World show? It's in space somewhere. It's probably on Mars. My friend who opened up Funny World, Space Alien Donald, is no longer on the earthly plane anymore. And I just kind of imagine him floating around in space. Right before he uh, passed on, he was making, he, he had like drawings and he had all of these notes about what a spacesuit would have to be like in order to survive on Mars. And it really blew my mind 
because he was just so smart. But yeah, Funny World was this house that I lived at for a few years and moved away and then even moved back there again. So yeah, I lived there a couple times and it was just one of the best places to throw shows, in my opinion. It was such a dream to be able to just live there be able to book shows there. And then I, at the time I was also like volunteering at trunk space. So it's like if a friend or a band that I loved hit me up, it's like, yeah, I can totally book your band. You can either play in my living room or I can get you a show at the trunk space. So that was pretty That's cool. That's awesome. And here's our last question. It's funny because every single band question for the most part was music oriented, but jazz Torres asks, <laughs> what are your top three watched movies? Top three watched movies. I mean, if we're thinking about, if I think about how many times I watched Wayne's World, like clocked in, like when I was in junior high and high school, like, or not, not, not high school, but like junior high, I watched Wayne's World so many times. So like at my dad's house, I would like split time between my mom's house and my dad's house. And at my dad's house, I had a TV in my room. And I had a VCR and I feel like I only owned like four movies for some reason. And I, but I would just watch them over and over and over again. And I never cared that that was it. But like I watched Wayne's world a bunch of times. I watched, I was really into that movie, little Nicky, which is an Adam Sandler movie, but I have that. And that was also like a rock and roll movie too. So I was really into that. And I was just such a rocker. I was a rocker and and, and I, I just aspired to be a rocker. You can't get more rocker than that where like you're just living your dreams by being a rocker. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like in recent years, like, yeah, I, I got, I've watched the movie Waiting for Guffman a bunch of times. It's probably, that's probably like my favorite movie. Weird Al's UHF is a movie that I rewatch all the time yeah it's hard i i I know i didn't really narrow that down to three i i kind of mentioned a bunch of movies but that's probably yeah probably i mean the amount of hours that i clocked in watching those vhs tapes probably those are probably like the most watched movies of my life like i'll probably never watch another movie as many times as i watched those movies (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for that. And to the fans, thanks for asking away. You could definitely follow me on my interviews with Chris Instagram. And for any future episodes with other artists or other people I'll be interviewing, we'll be doing a similar thing where I'll throw a live or not live. I'll throw a a story on there with a question and you could go ahead and ask, ask away, but we're going to rope it back into some personal questions, some diners based questions. Some of these were actually already knocked out with the explanations with um, the, not the random questions, but the fan based questions, but guitar, you already mentioned kind of like your entryway to playing guitar, but you're an absolute shredder. Like you could tear into a solo, like no one's business, maybe not like Steve Vai style or drinking Malmsteen style, but I mean, maybe like Jay masses. I don't know. I mean, you shred. <laughs> Um, which guitars you. would you say inspire you? Oh gosh. Um, that might be a little vague, but I would say maybe, Hey, some, because I mean, we've even gone into ACDC. <laughs> we've already talked about a bunch of different types of guitars, but what would you say kind of inspired your style of soloing? 
I think that my guitar influence really came from this person named Tom Filardo, which I don't really know. I don't really play guitar or anything like Tom, but Tom is a, a real guitar virtuoso and did a bunch of bands around Phoenix and kind of doesn't even really release music anymore, but released a few amazing records under the name Filardo. But I'll Tom, have to check that out. Yeah, Tom's music is really great. Tom is like one of the like this this person that I don't know very well. Like he used to live in Phoenix and no longer does, but I would kind of like ask him for advice and then I eventually got too intimidated to like ask him any more questions because I was just like too much of a fan that I I kind of recognized that I needed to like back off just yeah, totally. Yeah, Tom's one of the few people that I would I like still like kind of fan out over. But Tom's guitar playing is great. And I also really love the way Katie Davidson plays guitar and just their like their guitar tone, I think really, really is like inspiring, like in the way that just the way that the way that the guitar sounds, but the way they're playing it and the way that they have it all dialed in feels really good. Also, my friend Zach Burba really love the way that Zach plays guitar. Played in a couple band or a couple lineups with Zach, including Zach's band Ehi. And I felt like Zach was like kind of the one of the guitar players where it was like every time I played music with Zach, I would learn a thing or two, and that was really fun. That's awesome. But yeah, I yeah, that's it. I mean, like, there's not really any big name people out there right now like there aren't it's not like i i can't owe it all to one giant famous person out there but just uh just my friends and people that i've had the pleasure of seeing play like just diy shows i guess and transitioning from you know this inspiration of certain guitarists but to singer songwriting i've always felt and as you've mentioned before, Brian Wilson and Paul McCartney are some of your influences, but maybe even, I don't know if you've gotten this before, but like Robert Pollard from Guided by Voices, I sometimes sense that a little bit. I mean, who else would you say inspires you? Uh, I'm sure you're friends in other bands, but is there anyone that kind of off the top of your head that you'd say, hey, I mean, if it wasn't for these particular artists, um, diners wouldn't exist? Um, it's hard to say. I'm actually not a huge, I don't really know much about Guided by Voices. I really like it. Most everything that I've heard. It's like one of those things where it's like, it's funny to, it's now that I'm saying that it's like, okay, it's like, well, I guess I've listened to like three, three albums and there's kind of, I only kind of know those three albums. And my uncle is probably the biggest Guided by Voices head I've ever met. Just like truly knows everything about them yeah i don't really know i'd say that um i'm a really big fan of the magnetic fields i really like the the songwriting throughout that whole discography i mean i really i really don't listen to a whole lot of music i'm a bad music listener i really just love to listen to the same thing a hundred times over and over and over again yeah and as far as the oh go ahead Oh, yeah, but yeah, just Magnetic Fields is probably a band that I could kind of sneak in there. Yeah, and the Guided by Voices comment was obviously meant to be an endearing one. Oh, it they is. Honestly, 
they honestly have so many albums, but I was even thinking even more specifically to Robert Pollard's solo work. But then again, like his solo work mixed with Guided by Voices albums, like they have like so many albums. So I mean, totally. It's an intimidating uh, (laughs) work. That's, I think that's the only thing that like stops me from getting in more is just knowing that like just how deep it goes. So it's kind of, it's kind of one of those bands where it's like, that's like the type of band where I love everything that I hear and my friends know way more about those bands than I do, but I genuinely do love and I do take that as a compliment. Right I just on. love how prolific they are just because so many songs and they're all cool and their own There's way. so many albums. If somebody asks, hey, where should I start? I just say B-1000. You know, that's probably the most well-known Guided by Voices yeah. album, but... Mm-hmm. To yeah. swoop back into being diner specific, you started swoop around. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take that. That sounds. I like that. Diners started around 2011, from what I remember, and you've been pretty much the main constant driving force in the band. Numerous albums, different eras, different lineups. Sometimes you have a band backing you. Sometimes you play solo acoustic. What usually dictates your decision? Really just whoever's around. I would love to have a I would love to have a band that I could like I love watching a friend's band and then just being so stoked on how tight they sound and how well it all just like just how tight bands can get and just like seeing just how their brains are working together and whatnot, but it's hard because I think that it's kind of hard to have a band. And really, I, I the only people that I know are music people that are already doing their own bands. And so it, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to have a band where in my brain where it's like I, I just want to be able to play as many shows as I want. Like if I get offered a show that I really want to play, it's like I really want to play it. And I guess that's maybe a little bit selfish to be like, well, if like okay well so and so can't do it but i'm still gonna say yes because i really want to play that show and that would be like a really good for my life if i played that show and so i think i just kind of got used to being able to to play every single show and then i realized that i could kind of do it solo if i really need to but yeah i I love being able to do a band and have like some theatrics to that so you know, you've played in you've played in <laughs> yeah. diners before. And yeah, that was well, the type of thing where it's like, yeah, it's like uh, we did the raffle ticket thing where we were as like, cool. I mean, it, yeah, the plot or not the plot. There was not like a story, but like the <laughs> setup, the bit was is at the show. I started I started the, the set out on guitar and then I called a raffle ticket and brought up a drummer and then called another raffle ticket and brought you up to play bass and then called out another raffle ticket and our friend Sophie played keyboard. And that was the type of thing where I wanted to play that show so bad. It was the, it was the baseball Greg show, which is a band that I I'm, I'm friends with and really love. And it was such a fun show. Yeah, it was really fun. And everything was just kind of done out of necessity. It was the type of thing where it's like, okay, well, if we, if everybody learns like four or five songs, we can kind of fake it. And like, like we can fake that, like, this is a whole cohesive set. It's like, I'll just play the rest solo. And it was just like the type of thing where 
it was, yeah, it, it kind of worked out because it was like, all right, cool. Like I'll start the first song out by myself and then Sam could kind of come up and luckily all this, all the drum parts on my songs are so, so simple that anybody could really come up and kind of fake it. And then, yeah, just like, I think you were able to learn like six songs before the set. So it's like, cool, we can do this. Like, yeah, we, we, we can make this happen. And yeah, we practiced one time for, I think, like an hour. And then then we I practiced with Sophie with like another hour <laughs> on another night. And we had never played all together until that night, you know, with drums. And it was a really unique time. And it was it was awesome because as a bass player, I'm so used to digging my pick into the string and I love that mid-range grind you know that I would say most people are associated with the type of music that I play but I remember you saying like hey Chris tone it down roll back that tone knob and you know maybe use your fingers and you're like you know what I I gotta be gentle with my bass and now I'm like hey that was that was such an awesome learning experience for myself because like you had said I mean your songs are it's not like they're a breeze to play there was some parts that I kind of got hung up on, but it was more, I think, that feel, you know? And once everyone was kind of just feeling it, that's where we kind of just took off and just had a blast. Yeah, I I feel like every five songs that I write, I will try and write a song that somebody could pick up really easy. Or it's just, like, and by that, I mean just like, it's just the same things over and over and over and over again. And the the chorus is just a louder version of the verse and like, and just things like that. But yeah, it's like all kind of feeling, feeling based where it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, one of the songs like that I play all the time, it's just, it's just two chords back and forth, but it really like what kind of separates the sections of the songs is just like the feeling of how you play those chords. So yeah, feeling it's, I got lucky that all of you guys meshed well together because it could have been a train wreck for sure we just with no practicing with like being having to practice without a drummer is never ideal that's like half of the feeling of a band i had a Uh, blast and i'm hopefully maybe i can unearth some video of it so i could put some promo up but such a great time but how you had spoken about writing your songs how do you typically formulate your songs does it come from usually having your guitar and playing on it or does it come from maybe striking a note on your synth and that just inspires a a world of creativity how do you usually try to go about writing your songs i never know when i'm about to write a song i think i think that most of my best songs are written not playing like they don't begin on an instrument they begin with something that i'll hear in my head i'll just kind of I'll just hum or I can't whistle, but I'll just like hum or sing a melody and I'll go, Oh, I think that sounds pretty good. And then I'll just like sing that into my phone. Like normally like it's like while I'm driving. So I'm trying to be very (laughs) safe. Yeah, I do that too. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a good way to do it. I think there's so much, I think that there's a lot of, magic that you can get when you aren't playing an instrument like when you're thinking about melody it's like because you're there's kind of like if you're trying to come up with a melody on the guitar you're probably just going to do the same kind of like muscle memory or like the same shapes that you play all the time but you might not imagine doing like a a certain melody on the guitar like you might not imagine playing it but like 
singing it. It's like la da 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 da. Like you might not like imagine that da da. Like you might not think to do that big jump down or something like that on the guitar, but yeah. like it just kind of works and it feels natural that. singing. But yeah. yeah, so it's just like that. So I would so I would just record that into my phone, and then I'd come home and learn what the chords would be for that melody or something like that. I love that. Yeah, I would I sometimes do that while I'm in the shower and totally my fiance jazz, which, you know, she'd be like, what are you Hi, doing? Jazz. Yeah, <laughs> she'd be like, what? I've never heard that song. It's like, yeah, it just like popped in my head. You know, I was just scrubbing and whatever inspiration from scrubbing came out. I was just like, boom, came up with something. It's kind of like I think in one of your interviews, one of my favorite songs is plastic cactus and oh cool i think i read that you were walking to taco bell here in arizona yep and you just saw plastic cactus in there and i think that's maybe how i don't know if you're humming something in your head but just kind of how songs come about it's it's yeah totally different for everyone it totally yeah it definitely is and and it's like one of those things where it's like i i will there are times where i will just kind of like write a batch of lyrics. I mean, I guess like without music, they're just kind of, I guess it's just poetry. So there it's like every once in a while, I'll just try and write words. So like in the off chance that like I need words to go with the melody, if words aren't coming naturally, it's like, it's like, I'll just kind of like flip through my notebook and be like, cool, I have these lyrics. But most of the time, the melody will just inspire words. Yeah. And I never know, like, I don't know. It's, it, I'm always impressed when somebody is like, well, I wanted to write a song about this thing. So I sat down and I wrote a song <laughs> about that thing where it's like, I can't do that. I can't, I could try, but. Yeah. Write a song about o- otters. Yeah. I, I could try. I mean, it's like, I could definitely give it a shot, but for me, it's like, I never know when I'm about to write a song and I never know what a song is going to be about until I'm writing it. I think I just, I, I just love music for the sake of music's sake. And so it's. I don't know. That's just kind of how it is. And not to get too personal, but are there any songs that you refuse to play based on emotions that are evoked? Um, I mean, there's not really like any songs where I'm like, oh, that song is too painful. I don't want to play it. But there are songs where it's just kind of like, well, if I play this song live, like if I play this really slow, moody song live, I don't really know like how I'm going to recover from it to like bring things back where I want the the set to end. There's just like different types of there's just like different beats of a set that I want to be able to have and I want to keep a certain energy and if there's not like a really good placement for a song in a set list, it's kind of hard to play like the slower moodier songs. It might be a mood killer. Yeah, it's just like, and there's like nothing wrong with the song and it doesn't bum me out. I mean, I I might refuse to play a song based off of how, like if I can't remember, if I know I'm going to have trouble remembering the words, I might refuse to play a song, but there's nothing that I, I don't know. I, I think some people are like, yeah, I use songwriting as a way to like share my secrets. Like I'll like share a secret that I like don't want to like, talk about but like it's like a way for me to like put my weird feelings about this thing that i don't ever talk about like like it's an outlet for it and it's like for me i just 
I don't know. I don't quite use music that way because just because I just really never know what a song is going to be about until I'm writing it. And sometimes I'll start writing it and it's very clear that it's like, okay, like the song is about this thing. And I do eventually get to like, okay, this is what the song is about or like this is the gist of the song. But then there are certain songs where it's like, I am just trying to convey a feeling and I don't like this. Like the song isn't about a specific event. It might be about like, it might be about like 10 different events and are just like things that are like passing through my mind, all kind of surrounding a mood. So it's safe to say that with leisure world, there isn't any sort of like common theme that your songs are based on. There's not really, I'm looking, let's see, I'm looking at the track listing right now and I mean, yeah, I could go, I mean, let's see, it's like, think on this feeling that's about loving yourself and kind of getting, that was based off of, I got, I got kind of stood up on a date and I was just kind of like, all right, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let myself get too bummed because you know what? Only I can satisfy my own heart. And then the next song on the album, Le- uh, Learning Curve, it's just like, that's just a a song about trying to learn and trying to do your best, I guess. Uh, Big Times is about when I was living in LA and just how silly that world is. Cup of Coffee, I guess that's about, I mean, yeah, it's like not, it's not like a, it's not really a, a not necessarily like a happy song. In terms of the lyrics, it's kind of like one cup of coffee once was enough to get me going. And now it's like I need more coffee (laughs) if I'm going to like try and keep up with my life. And I don't know. Yeah, but that song to me is more of like a a mood song. Big Moon, just missing someone. So Blue, I guess feeling nostalgic for an old life that I used to have or something. Or like a specific part of my old life. Uh, Send in my love just a little love song there's a time that song is also that song is kind of like trying to look inwardly on ways that or just like trying to be the best person i can be so i guess that is has something in common with learning curve spin in the yarn that song is just such a jam thanks yeah that song it's funny because in my mind, that song is about this really weird, trippy walk that I had on the beach one time when I was in San Diego. And then I like didn't really, the only thing that I really, I like reference it very lightly, but I like had a pretty big cosmic moment that night where, cause I was, it was like the first day of a tour and I was going to be on tour for like three months. So I was just kind of like thinking about my life ahead of me for that three months. And so I was like thinking about that night when I was writing that song, even though I don't really like talk about like the epiphany or anything. And then yeah, phone TV world, that song's about being on tour. I wrote a line of that song every single day while I was on tour. And by the end of the tour, I had a whole song. And then thanks for listening just is about gratitude. So yeah, it's hard to, hard to say that it's about any of the songs are like about the same thing. I know I just spent a lot of time going through each song. I love it. Thank you so much. That was honestly a pleasure to hear because (laughs) I love this album so much. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. So on the topic of touring, when the lockdown Uh is over, 
Should we be expecting a diner's tour supporting Leisure World? I would love that. I mean, who knows? I might have another record out by the time bands are really on the road again. You never know. I would love to have another record out this year. That is truly my goal, is to release another record this year. I have no idea if it'll happen. I guess I'm putting it on record that I have an intention for that, but I'd love to be able to go on tour again anytime soon, but I don't really know if that's going to happen until like spring of next year, if we're lucky, you know, we'll just see. I would love to be able to go on tour, but it's just not, not a reality, not in our reality right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, whenever the new tunes come out, my ears are yours. I can't wait. (laughs) Whenever you hit the road, I'm going to try my darnest to be there. But Tyler, I've got to say, you know, just wrapping it up here. I'm so happy that we were able to do this interview and that things are going well for you. But to add to that, just thanks for being a great friend and an inspiration with and without a guitar. I just want to say you rule. So thank oh, you so thanks. much. Well, thank you. I, I, uh, I yeah, I, I feel like it was, it was so exciting when I, I mean, ba- I mean, back for that show, it's just like, it was funny because you moved to Phoenix or Arizona kind of right when I wasn't really around Arizona a whole lot. And it was like kind of this funny thing where I was like, I was like, wait, like somebody's move, like somebody is moving to Arizona. Like this never happens. Like a friend of (laughs) mine that I like kind of exclusively know just from going on tour is like kind of coming. Like it was like really exciting to like, to think that like, I was going to have more friends around town and it, it kind of like lined up for like right when I was about to move to LA, I, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. And so like when I kind of moved back, I was so excited to be able to like hit you up and it was nice to like, I feel like music dominates my whole world. So like being able to like come up with a show and be able to like work on a show together was really exciting and fun. And, and I love that you're doing this podcast and yeah, it's like, it's, like this is the type of stuff that gets me really excited. Just like, I don't know. There's so much that there's so many bands out there, like local bands and, and artists that are so incredible and might not be around forever. Like I'm not talking about diners, but just like, it's really important to be able to, to do like, like what you're doing by having these interviews and, and getting people on tape. It's like, yeah, it's like really cool to be able to like, take this snapshot of like this really cool time, even, I mean, this cool time, I know right now we're in a pandemic, but, um, but yeah, it's like, it, this is the type of stuff that I think is so crucial because yeah, it's cool to be able to, to take a photo to upload to Instagram. Like if you're lucky, they're going to, somebody's going to post a photo to Instagram, but most likely they're just going to post it in a story, which evaporates in 24 hours. So (laughs) it's very cool that like, you're doing this work to talk to your friends and get them on air because yeah, it's, this is a, it's worth putting, putting on record cool times. So thank you. This is, it's very cool that you're doing this. No, thank you to you. I'm just so grateful to know artists like yourself and, you know, even kind of pulling up those memories that we've shared or, through your music have kind of unearthed some of the ones that whether it's that ACDC tape or trying coffee for the first time, I'm truly grateful and appreciative. And for anyone that's listening out there, just want to say thank you. 
And that wraps it up. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on your program. (laughs) Well, there you go. We talked diners, the band, and some actual physical diners. So hopefully I didn't get you too hungry while listening to this episode. We also talked coffee, rock and roll like ACDC and some Beach Boys, and so much more. I'm so lucky to call Tyler a friend, and I'm extra lucky to have albums like his like Leisure World that are currently rocking my world. Make sure to pick it up, and you might even start dancing and grooving like you didn't think you ever could. Sometimes I'll catch myself dancing to tracks like Spinning the Yarn, and man, I'm not one to dance. You'd want to blindfold yourself if you saw me dancing. But yeah, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. You could go to interviewswithchris.com for any previous material, or you could go to any major platform where you can hear this podcast to check previous ones out. If you like what you're hearing, then subscribe and give some positive feedback. I'd say drop a cheetah in the chat like Tyler says on his live videos, but instead I'm just asking for you to click five stars or subscribe or to just tell a friend. Thanks again, everybody, and I'll see you next Monday.